You're listening to KCBP Community Radio on 95.5 FM and streaming on kcbpradio.org. This is Women of the Valley, where we examine the issues, stories, organizations, and people important to women in our community. We're your hosts, Leah Hassett and Linda Scheller. Our music is Tin Can Trap by Chad Crouch. Elena Scott, welcome to Women of the Valley. I'm so excited to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Great. I would love if you could tell our listeners a little bit about what you do for a living as well as a little bit about your organization. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. So I have been in the finance industry for 16 years. And uh, currently, I'm really fortunate to serve as first vice president of Raymond James and co-founder of the Lavig Scott Wealth Management Group of Raymond James. And about, gosh, eight years ago, I went through this experience in my life where I wanted to do something more. I really felt that I wanted to give back. And so several years after that, a group of amazing leaders in our community and even um, surrounding communities, we came together, hosted focus groups and really thought about what we wanted to do. And we co-founded the Women's Education and Leadership League. Can you tell us a little bit more about that organization and its birth story? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what we do at the Women's Education and Leadership League is we co-created a program called the Living Well Program. And the Living Well Program is a wellness program that focuses on financial literacy, emotional wellness, physical wellness, and leadership skills. And we are fortunate enough to be providing this program to multiple organizations. So we began providing our Living Well program to the Sierra Vistas First Step program. That was one of our first partnerships where we got to bring this program to women in our community. And then the Stanislaus County Office of Education invited us to teach this program to their early childhood development staff members because they were so overwhelmed giving back to the community that they needed some wellness for themselves. And we also are launching with the um, San Joaquin District Attorney's Office on Monday. We're very excited. Um, We also provide this. Yeah, it's a really great partnership. We also provide it to the community. So pre-COVID, we were teaching the program, you know, in person in small groups over five weeks. But now we're doing it through Zoom. And then serendipitously, we got our program online last October. So of course we couldn't have predicted this, but it's been a great way to really scale bringing this wellness program. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the content of the program to kind of give our listeners a a picture of it? Absolutely. So we can just kind of picture maybe. Absolutely. It's a five week program. And so on week one, it's the the chapter or the title of that is Together We Rise. And so in week one, our participants learn the fundamentals of wellness. Then they also learn about their own inner strengths, um, their character, and how to bring, how to operate more in their own strengths and Mm -hmm. then find others around them that complement their strengths. So for example, I am a very big picture person, so I'm able to look at a project and look long-term and see kind of the end results and the more overarching picture. I love to surround myself with detail-oriented people because they can then create the strategy for step one, two, three, four. So working together really creates, I mean, that's how we were able to create our program, uh-huh. um, having real diverse people working together in their own strengths instead of me trying to operate in an area where maybe I'm not as strong in, which is the small minute details, uh-huh. um, but having people like Lisa and Carolyn who are on our team who have, that is part of their strength. So then we also teach Simon Sinek's Your Why to really learn about how to uncover their why. 
And that was something that was in your, on your website and your blog that was really intriguing. It's a powerful thing to learn because Mm -hmm. when things get really hard, like for us, building an online um, curriculum was challenging, Mm -hmm. but having our why at our forefront, you know, we were inspired to serve these women that helps you get through the hard times. Like if you're stressed or if something scary or new that you have to learn or embark upon having that at the forefront really helps you continue through the task and complete a project that you are trying to complete that might be really hard because you have that bigger picture in mind. This is not just how to pay your bills. This is something that goes much deeper, it sounds like. Is that what this is really about? Some guidelines for success that you can sort of generalize to other parts of your life? Yeah, no, that is such a great question and a great point because you're absolutely right. So the thing about this program is we teach really pragmatic, real detailed strategies such as budgeting. That's part Mm -hmm. of the financial, but Mm -hmm. you're right. We also teach those more character and esoteric aspects of how to really achieve the goal. Because if we're only teaching you, for example, not to jump ahead to week four, but you brought up that really great point. So I want to, I want to share. So we teach how to be the CFO of your life in week four Mm -hmm. as part of the financial, but it doesn't matter. Like when it really comes down to it, what matters that helps you keep your goal is your why. Why am I caring about budgeting? Well, I really want to send my kids to college. I really want to buy the dream house or one of our participants, Natalie, she wanted to start a business. So being able to have that bigger picture when we're talking about, for example, finances and budgeting, we have to bring in those pragmatic pieces. We have to teach you how to budget cash flow, asset versus debt, you know, really get into the weeds, but also pairing it with, let's really talk about what matters in your finances. Like what's your goal for why you're doing this? Why are you holding off from getting Starbucks every day? Because you want that dream house, because you want to, you know, go back to school or you want to start that business or you want your kids to go to that college. So it's getting clear on that. And then also we face those fears. So we do bring in those esoteric pieces because whether we bring them in or not, they're going to show up. So why not have a strategy for the roadblocks that are going to stop you from that goal or from creating that financial plan that matters to you? So, and so the, so the why, if I can just use my own bias is really the fun part. Yes, exactly. It's the, it's the, it's the motivation and And it's, it's sort of like keeping your eye on the prize in a way. Absolutely. So not to sound completely um, cheesy, but I, I really, so our curriculum, so week one together, we rise, we go into that week two is emotional wellness. So we have a lot Mm -hmm. of amazing strategies, scientific proven strategies to help with that Um, week four or sorry, week three is physical wellness, but we're not talking so much about eating right and exercising as more of the deeper um, aspects to physical wellness, such as, for example, Sarah, um, one of our um, co-facilitators, she is certified with the Heart Math Institute out of Santa Cruz. So she teaches heart and brain coherence, um, which is really the fundamental when it comes to wellness, because you're tapping into your own, you know, what keeps you going if you're wanting to stay physically well and how it connects to your body as a whole. But back to, and then financial, we do building financial confidence. So we talk about goal setting, the obstacles that will get in the way. We really identify and kind of come up with strategies for fears that get in our way, which is a big difference between an obstacle and a fear. And then we create strategies and solutions. We create an action plan. And then we get into the CFO of your life, 
which is where we get into the weeds of specifically like budgeting and all of that so that you can get to your goal. And then our last chapter last week, uh, living well into the future, we create a mission statement for our lives. So what, when, to get back to your question, but I wanted to cover all that. So it makes sense when I answer, I really feel as though it's a roadmap for your hero's journey. Uh And so when we're talking about wellness and we're going through this program, we're not telling our participants when we go into like the stress management section of emotional wellness, we're not necessarily saying completely avoid stress because stress can actually be something that helps motivate and drive you. So it's how do we face stress in a healthy way that's going to keep us on our path. Um, We know that stress is going to pop up, but how do we use it? How do we listen to it and say, okay, I'm feeling extremely anxious right now. Should I just quit or do I want to continue on? You think about your own life and you think of like your favorite movie, right? None of us want to watch the movie where every single thing goes perfectly. We like the hero having to struggle and having to overcome So why wouldn't we embrace that in our own lives and not avoid it? So part of what we're teaching, especially when we're talking about emotional wellness, is how do you really find that inner hero that you are? And when you do have a challenge come up, why not look at it from the perspective of maybe this is something that's getting me to my destiny, essentially. And that really was, for me, what kind of inspired us to start well, because I went through experience in my life and kind of came to this tipping point in my life where I'd accomplished all my goals on a checklist, but I wasn't really living that fulfillment piece. And so tell us about that. Uh, That's part of the birth story of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, at a young age, when I think about kind of us drawing this curriculum together for well, and why I went into finance at a young age, you know, I just remember this memory of being a little girl and asking my mom for a toy. And typically, you know, parents will tell their kids, we, do, we don't have the money and the conversation ends. But in this moment, for me, at least with my mom, she explained it wasn't in the budget. She didn't stop there though. She really went into the details of financial budgeting and how it works. And she pulled out the checkbook and showed me how back then we had physical checkbooks and she showed me, you know, what that looked like and taught me how to balance the checkbook and explained that, you know, when you get real clear on your financial budget and what you need, you can actually have that surplus and you can create more for yourself and your family. And she was the primary breadwinner in our home as well. And as a special education teacher, she was really able to turn very little into a lot. And so deep down, I knew that I really wanted to teach what she had taught me to others. And then unfortunately, when I was 15, she passed away. And so I was so young and so vulnerable. I didn't really face the emotions around losing your mom at such a young age. But fast forward to when I was 30, something tugged at my heart. And that's when I really realized that I wanted to honor my mom. And I just didn't know how exactly. And then just a few years after that, in my profession, a woman came to us with really nowhere else to turn. Um, She had tragically lost her husband to suicide and she didn't know where any of their assets were. And as I was helping her, I realized that that was really that moment where I needed to take action and begin helping women outside of just strictly my profession. And so that's when, you know, the thought of honoring my mom and serving others came to be. And in 2015, that's when the group of us really built that the women's education and leadership league. And we were recognized. um, We received our 501 C three status and we were able to really embark on creating that curriculum and helping women. And so our mission is to enrich women's lives through financial literacy, 
wellness education and leadership skills. And that's where we developed that living well program. That is a really amazing story. I don't really have the words to say how sorry I am that your mother died. She sounds really amazing. Thank you. Maybe she kind of lives on in your work, in your heart. Absolutely. That you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say she really lives on through, through the women that we serve. And I, I do believe it's very serendipitous that one of our first, you know, partnerships was with the Stanislaus County Office of Education serving educators who give back to vulnerable uh, members in our community because that's what my mom did as a teacher's teaching special ed. So it feels like in a way we're able to give them some of the things that maybe she didn't have. And that's where I see that, that intrinsic relationship between not just our financial wellness, because my mom was really great with that, but also like our physical wellness and our emotional wellness and being able to really have that courage to say, you know, I need to rest or I need to take care of myself. And that's something that she didn't exactly have the tools for. So it feels special. Like, like we're able to give this to someone who maybe could have not had those resources and ended up like my mom, you know, and a lot of women that do come to us have chronic illness and stress. And I think, wow, this is special because here's a tool that they get to utilize that maybe my mom didn't quite have at the time. Can you explain some of the ways that financial, emotional, and physical health are intertwined? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the best examples I can really think of is one of the women that we helped. She was going through one of the hardest experiences in her life. She felt really afraid because she had this over surmounting debt. She, she felt she really had to pay off. It was partly due to her spouse had a student loan and his career was the type of career that would earn enough to pay it off. But he was really passionate about the work that he was doing, which didn't quite live up to the level of the student loan. So there was a lot of stress between both of them and they love each other very much. And so you think, well, this is a financial issue, but really it was, it was affecting their emotions. And then of course it tripled down to their physical wellness, because when you're very stressed physically, your immune system drops, you can become sick more frequently. If you let it continue too long, it can even trigger some underlying, you know, some, we all have underlying genetics, right? Where we could get chronic illness or something like that. So they weren't quite to that level, but she shared with us this experience. And she of course gives me permission to share her story. So I never share a story without having permission first. And so she was one of our very first participants in one of our very first living well programs. And so she came to me after class and was like, you know, this is what's going on. Can, can we have a little additional help? So we, I actually involved my business partner, who's very good with strategy and all of that. So we met and we met multiple times and we came up with a plan and the plan was to get this debt paid off much sooner than they thought that they would have to, because what they were doing was just throwing all of their extra income to the debt, thinking that was the best way to, to accomplish it. But there was actually quite a better way to do it. So as we sat down, looked at their full situation, we came up with that plan. And so that removed like so much stress from their lives emotionally. And so they decided because we had this financial plan in place, we had a strategy in place, they're going to get it paid off in four years and actually reduce some of their expenses as well. They decided to go to Europe together and they felt like just having that break, that mental break from the stress of a debt that now they have a plan for um, working so much overtime to try to pay off that debt, which they really didn't need to do. They were able to reconnect, go on this trip and spend time together. And so I said, you know, as now that you guys have this plan, now that you guys are paying down this debt, I want you to share with me, like, cause before they were getting sick, like every quarter they would get a cold, like every three months. So share with me if you're feeling better, how you're doing. And so now we're at almost four years later, they've had like two colds 
total in these four years. Um, they go on, of course, right now they don't go on trips because of COVID, but they were going on trips once a year. And they said they used to eat pizza every night for dinner. And just because they felt better, they started eating healthier too. They rekindled their relationship. And so, of course, it was financial, but it affected other areas of their lives. And so when you address an area of your life that's making you feel stressed, maybe it's not financial, could be many different reasons, you can really help yourself feel better. Well, that's a really amazing story. How, what is the timeline of that transformation? I'm just curious. Yeah. So is it, the goal was for about four years, but it was three and a half years ago. It took them about three years to get the debt paid off. The emotional transformation, I want to say, was pretty immediate. When we teach our emotional wellness, we teach several different things. So with stress management, for example, we teach you to think about what, what is causing you anxiety or stress or the feeling of uncertainty or fear and identify if this specific instance in your life is something that you can control. Let's come up with a strategy to nip it in the butt immediately because that will eliminate all of the symptoms of stress in most cases. So your feelings, but also your health. Um, so in this case, we were able to come up with a strategy. We were able to come up with a plan. And so they were able to feel a lot more confidence and a lot more peace because there wasn't so much uncertainty and fear around this debt. Um, and then physically, of course, then they weren't living in stress. They weren't having all the cortisol in their bodies that stress causes. So physically, then they, they felt much better. Now, there are times in our lives where we are going to feel stress, fear, anxiety, and it's something we cannot control. So maybe like, for example, um, a loss of a loved one or a you know, a loss of a job or a relationship, and there's not an immediate solution. In that case, we teach a lot of great strategies for managing stress. For example, there's a whole focus exercise that we do, which helps you focus on the things that you can control in those situations to focus on gratitude, to look at the gift, believe it or not, in every tragedy, there's some gift in it. So to look for the gift in that, in that situation, um, we had one of our ladies that came through the program was going through a really stressful divorce and it was a custody battle with her daughter and it was really scary for her. So she couldn't immediately, you know, come up with a solution. She could, in, in a lot of ways, she could get some solutions in place, but this was the long drawn out process that she was going to have to go through. So she worked really hard on implementing those exercises on focus and looking at the really hard and scary experience through a positive perspective as best she could, seeing that she had her daughter and she was grateful for the relationship as bad as it was because her daughter was a product of that. And so she was able to really feel the love um, for her daughter. And this was a year ago. She's still going through this battle, but she has a lot of resources to help her with managing the anxiety and the stress that come along with it. And being able to implement those strategies has really helped her um, build a lot of inner resilience, a lot of inner confidence, and almost becoming like the best version of herself through the worst experience she could, she could possibly imagine. So those situations, you're not always going to have an immediate solution or the right person to go to. And that can cause a lot of fear, but we're able to provide a lot of strategies for that. Wow. So it's sort of like you help people and people are able to decide what you can work on and what you can do more as an inside job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so we can't always change our circumstances, like the first example, but sometimes the deeper gift is being able to change our perspective on a circumstance. So that's where I believe character is built. And I think 
I think in life, we don't want to fully avoid hard experiences or stress because then we actually avoid becoming that courageous person and building all of that character that I don't know that we would be able to build otherwise. So I'm not wishing obviously bad things on anyone because that's the worst, but being able to provide some really, really effective strategies to learn how to come out of a really stressful situation on the other side with hope and joy and abundance and gratitude, I think is probably part of my greatest fulfillment that I get from being able to serve in this program. Wow. Thank you. We're going to have to do a station announcement. Uh, This this is KCBP Radio 95.5 FM. We're talking to Elena Scott. She is the co-founder and teacher at WELL, that is Women's Empowerment and Leadership League. This is Women of the Valley, and I am your host today, Leah Hassett. So financial wellness has got to mean a lot of different things to different people. I'm wondering if you can talk about some of the similarities and some of the differences between different economic classes of of women. Somebody who is in poverty versus somebody who is quote unquote comfortable. Absolutely. So that's such a great question. And, you know, this, so this question really makes me think of our first community living well program because it was such a diverse group. So we had Maricela who gives me permission to share her story and she actually comes out and speaks with me. All the people I'm mentioning here, by the way, give me permission. So then we have Marga Souza. And so Marga Souza is a philanthropist, so very well to do. And they were both in the same living well program together. And so Maricela, when she came to us, she was living in the homeless hotel. She had actually just was in the process of moving into the homeless hotel with her four kids. She didn't have a car. She actually, the saddest part of, about how we met her was we also, we do a scholarship as well. And the way that we did it before was we just put it out online and, and invited people to fill it out, uh, fill out the application. But um, when we met Maricela, we realized we made a horrible mistake by not picking her because she, just because she didn't fill out the application and share more of her story. So we completely changed how we um, do our scholarship. But so she came to us, homeless hotel, four kids, no car. She was on the welfare to work program. And she was in school and she was struggling. She was struggling to get by. It was amazing because I can't think of another person who put in more of their own work in this program. She showed up every single class, even though she didn't have a car. She was engaged. She asked questions. She invited all of us to mentor her. So she put in all this work and she makes me really think about, you know, how many people in our community are in this situation, single mom, homeless, and yet still doing whatever they can to help their kids. So this was back June of 2018. And she and I actually ended up speaking together in December of 2019 at my Rotary group because she got to share her success story. And she is now completely, so she's living in a place of her own. She has a safe, you know, place that she's living. She has a van that she's able to transport her and her kids to school and to um, work. She's off the welfare to work program as of January of this year. So she got to, she made that cut off before COVID because that would have been really hard. So she's working for the center for human services giving back to people who are homeless as well. And she is in school. We, you know, she applied for the scholarship for Seroptimus. She got the scholarship and she's actually, 
as of September 12th, happily married to an incredible, incredible person who really loves and supports her. She really did the work though. She put in the time when we had her do the financial aspects. She did her homework. She you know, asked for help. She got mentors because that's a huge part of what we teach is, you know, finding that mentor that, that really can help you get to your goal. And so when I look at her, who is now very much a success story, I would not even consider her in poverty at all. She's making great wages and she's really fulfilling her dreams. And I think of Margot, who's a philanthropist who her background was different because her family had a dairy and she was able to take over that dairy and, and not only be successful herself, but give back. Both of these women were in the same course, both were doing the same work, both had very different goals, very different dreams, but both of them put in the work. And even though Margot is so successful and, and part of her goals are to mentor and give back to other women, women like Maricela. So the resources that are needed are extremely different. Um, the education, I've been in this industry for 16 years. I feel like the education's a little different for every single person, but there's a deep kind of underlying similarity in financial education that I think is true for everyone, which is really starting with your goals and then building a plan to get to those goals. And no matter how big or small your goals are, and no matter where you're starting from, you know, with the right mentors, the right plan, and most importantly, the right drive internally, I truly believe and I have seen that they are accomplishable and they're achievable. You may have more obstacles to overcome if you're coming from a place of, you know, your family never had anything. So there's a lot of beliefs around um, worthiness financially, or if you're coming from a place with little resources. The point of about, was her name Maricela? Is yeah. It, being able to, to get there without a car is an amazing example. Sometimes people aren't able to do that. And sometimes those things can kind of snowball. So I'm wondering, yeah. what does that look like when people are in the program? Is there sometimes students that need to stop and start? Yeah. So our goal is to remove all obstacles for example, with our partnership, the district attorney's office for the Family Justice Center. And we really try to partner with people who have the resources to serve those that need a lot of resources. So this is why we love this partnership because they have a grant. So they were able to provide. So for this one, obviously it's, it's virtual, so we can't go in person, but the Justice Center has provided phones and um, workbooks and calculators for them. They've provided internet access. If they need to come into the justice center, they have a social distance with headsets, their own space, their own computer, transportation. So they've provided so many resources for the ladies. Sierra Vista's first step program, we would just go, this is before COVID, we would go and teach in person. And they had, again, all the resources for the ladies, even, you know, housing for them because they had the Redwood Center. So we really appreciate being able to partner with other organizations. But if it is part of our community program, we do remove as many obstacles as we're feasibly able to. So if that means, you know, working together to figure out transportation, or as you mentioned, stop and start. Um, we've had several ladies go through it a couple of times because even women who went through the entire program, they, they need more education in this. So they want to hear it more than once and learn more than once. Plus they're getting more mentors because it, we like to make our community living well, so diverse so that the ladies who are going to need that extra hand up will have the people in their lives that they can meet directly through this program. The people like Margot, or, you know, we have businesswomen who are very successful attorneys that like to participate in the program. And so it ends up becoming this unofficial mentor mentee hub unofficially. And the, the kind of serendipitous piece is the women who are struggling financially, who are really dealing with a lot of 
things to overcome also are mentors to those who are successful. So it's, it's like they have a lot to offer. Maybe it's not economical, but it's, you know, their courage becomes a source of real leadership that all of us learn from. So both, you know, regardless of where the background is, there's a lot to offer and to receive. Thank you. I got introduced to you through my daughter, who was part of your childcare team for these meetings. And what really struck me about 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 well providing childcare at the meetings is how rare that actually is. Childcare is a really really hard thing to find if you want it to be affordable, accessible, and loving and and safe. And when you see somebody providing childcare for a meeting and not just assuming that every participant can either afford or find suitable childcare is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And your daughter, by the way, is absolutely amazing. We just love her. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal young lady. So I just have to put that out there. But absolutely. And I think, I think one of the reasons we're also so drawn to, you know, giving back to the early childhood development department at SCO is a lot of the women that we're teaching provide that really affordable and accessible childcare to our most vulnerable population. So they work with the Head Start program and they work with you know, families that couldn't otherwise afford childcare. And so I, I think it's, it's one of the greatest needs in our country and it's a challenge. There's so much red tape. There's so many liabilities. It's, there's very few companies that provide it. So like Maricela, for example, one of her biggest fears was if she got off assistance, how would she take care of her children? Because with assistance, she was able to go to school because the care program at MJC removes a lot of barriers. They provide childcare, they provide tutoring, mentoring, all of the things that a mom in that position would need to get her education. And if she went to work and got off welfare to work, how would she, you know, take care of her kids? And so once, you know, things go back to quote unquote normal, that's going to be a challenge for her. And that's going to be a challenge for a lot of women. And a lot of women don't go off assistance simply because that is one of the biggest barriers. It's a challenge. We're the first, we're one of two first world countries. That's it. That don't provide childcare for people in a way that's affordable. This is KCBP radio 95.5 FM. This is women of the Valley. And I'm your host today, Leah Hassett talking with Elena Scott from WELL, that is Women's Empowerment Leadership League. Why are women unique or different than men in, in terms of their, their economic life? Well, I think there, there are so many, so many variables and so many factors. I mean, we could talk for hours about the glass ceiling. And then, of course, you and I talked about daycare and childcare being a huge challenge because, I mean primarily the women are the caregivers. So if there's children, it's, it's almost societally, you know, expected that the women take care of the kids. So in many cases, women do uh, take that back seat for their career. In a lot of cases, up until real recently, if a woman would stay home to, you know, take a break in her work or, take a little time off to take care of the kids maybe they they didn't go back or if they did go back there wouldn't be as many opportunities as they had during the part of their career prior to taking that break when we also step back from work to raise children we miss out on investing in our 401ks that's something we don't think about not only do we you know miss those years of working but we go back in maybe a different position. We weren't growing at the same level as if we didn't take the break. There's also, we weren't investing during that time. So there's lots of challenges just in that realm. I think also from our own personal way that we learn about finance. So both men and women, there's no, this isn't the battle of the sexes. It's just, we are wired differently. And I think it's really 
kind of a beautiful thing that as women, when we think about finances, we think very differently than men. You know, men's brains are similar to a waffle if you think about food. So you can decompartmentalize. You can say, okay, the bills are here, the college funds over here in this little square, and the mortgage is in this little square, and they're neatly separated. And of course, that's how the financial world presents financial literacy. But as women, we're more like spaghetti, like everything's connected. It, okay, what does paying the mortgage, how does that affect our, college, our child's college or our retirement? Or how does the car payment affect our vacation, right? So we're looking at things from the heart. We're concerned with how does this matter? How is this going to impact our kid's future? How is this going to impact the world? And, and women also were very caring and compassionate. So I love this experiment that the Gates Foundation did back several years back when they were investing in villages in Africa. They were actually giving smartphones to the men in the village, you know, because you're thinking, okay, they're going to be the innovators, you know, kind of old school. Uh, They're going to be the ones that are going to start these businesses and learn. So they would give microloans, give a cell phone, On the other end of the cell phone, there would be a professor, professors from around the world, and they would teach, uh, basically they would teach entrepreneurship and education to these men. Well, what would happen was the men would get the microloan in most cases in this experiment that they did, and they would go to the tavern and they really wouldn't pay back the loan. So the Gates Foundation said, let's shift our thinking on this microloan and let's give it to the women. So they started giving it to the women and what was happening was if one woman in the village received the microloan and received the, the iPhone to learn from the professors, she would invite all of the other women and the children in the village. They would learn together, and then each of them would build different businesses that complemented each other. So um, instead of carrying the water all day long on the top of their head from, you know, miles away, they created a strategy to make it more efficient. Then another woman would create another strategy to make things more efficient. And before you know it, they're farming, they're selling goods, and then they're teaching women in other villages. So one microloan and one smartphone, which of course the loan got paid off ahead of schedule, uh, all this community was built. So as women, that's how we think financially. We're more about helping others. And we're also more about like, how does everything affect one another, not really decompartmentalizing. And our, unfortunately, our financial, current financial system doesn't really cater to teaching that way of learning financial literacy. So that's really been a huge passion of mine and also of our organization, the people that are a part of it, because we believe that if we just tweak a few things on how you teach financial literacy, you know, it's going to resonate more with us women and we're going to be able to apply it not just for ourselves, but for the other women in our lives and our children, similar to those women in those villages that did the same when they received that microloan. I want to touch on the question of support. I mean, we were just talking about support, but can you tell us more about what support means to you? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, for, for us, what we love about supporting women is providing every single thing that we're able to, and then finding organizations in our community that can really fill in the gaps. So the wellness education, the the financial literacy, scholarships for women, uh, you know, removing as many barriers as possible, like we mentioned, connections, mentors, but, you know, working with like the family justice center who, who has the means to say, okay, we're also going to provide all of these other resources to make sure these women have access to learn and to get this education or Sierra Vista's first step program where they're like able to go and work with Redwood and provide housing in, in these situations. So, you know, for me, it's like anything and everything that someone could need, finding those people that can come together and help them. But also, I think what's really amazing about what we've been able to experience 
is once we provide what support we're able to provide, which is really that education, the scholarships, the mentorship, um, in some cases, the daycare if it's needed. But the women that we serve, once, once they get to that level, that next level for their own lives, they're able to overcome the obstacles. So for example, Mariasella, right? So now she's thriving and doing really well. One of her first goals was to give back and help other women who need her help, who've been in her shoes. And it's really because she was invested in. So I think what's so phenomenal about what we're able to do is to really see the ripple effect, to see these women going out and saying, okay, now that someone has provided me with this hand up, I want to provide someone else with a hand up. And if all I have to give is a little bit of encouragement or advice or maybe a connection or them just seeing my life as an example, like that is more powerful than maybe, you know, most of us realize. So I think what's so phenomenal about not just providing support in the ways that we can is really seeing the women, once they get out of that real insecure position economically or emotionally, or, um, you know, just feeling like they're not where they are, where they feel that they are wanting to be, once they get there, they're not just, okay, I made this goal or, okay, I'm doing well now. I'm not scared. I'm not, you know, in poverty any longer. It's like, okay, no, who's the next person? Let me pull my hand back. Let me grab that next woman and help her, which I think has been such an incredible thing to witness. That's a really compelling description that you just gave. It differs so much from some of the constructs that you hear about, maybe when people talk about single moms or women that are on assistance or anybody really getting help is this sort of pull yourself up by your bootstraps or you can have a hand up, but you're only going to get it once or something. My experience and, and what I see looking around me is that when there's a lot of challenges that, you know, help with one challenge may not, may not do it. And the inspiration that people get from watching somebody else have success. Thank you. (laughs) It's amazing to hear that all of this is going on. I just, so I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to interview you and and let all of our listeners know about it too. I want to sign up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you invited me. So thank you so much. (laughs) Sometimes people are told to get a support system. Have you ever heard that? I mean, I've sort of said it to myself, like, I got to get a support system. And then I go, what is a support system? I have to write it down. What do I have? Who, you know, who can I call? So thank you for describing that. Well, I love, I love that you brought that up about writing it down because that's something that we actually teach is, okay, figure, once we figure out our goals or what we need, in our program, then we have them really identify what their mentor or support system would look like. So that's where we have them write down the character, not just what you need. Like, so if the goal is to get off welfare to work and to get a job, okay, find someone who's, who's done it successfully, but also the character trait too, you know, looking for, so like Ann Inslee, I'm really inspired by her. So she's one of my mentors. She used to be in finance. She had to face working for a company that she uncovered was doing illegal activities. So at a young age, making all this money, she had to prosecute, you know, she had to be there in the court uh, against her bosses, you know, things that were really courageous. And then she's extremely philanthropic. So it's like the character traits, the qualities, not just the most people, we don't know what our support system is. We, and maybe you don't even have one. That's what we tell people. If you don't have one first, write down what you need. And then let's, let's like reverse engineer that and find that for you. So I think it's, it's a really courageous thing to do. I read this on your blog and can you talk to us about scarcity thinking, what that is? So this is one of my favorite topics. So I love that you're asking. So we talk about, we teach about scarcity and abundance. And so when we think about scarcity, it's centered a lot around fear and it's not our faults. Like a lot of, I mean, we all experience scarcity thinking, 
Um, and we all experience abundant thinking. Abundance is that belief that there's more than enough. And this isn't just economical, right? This is knowing that you're worthy and knowing that you are valuable and that everything that you need is within you as well when it comes to your emotional fortitude and your mental fortitude. Um, but we talk about it, I give an example just because it's a simple way to kind of understand what the concept is. You think about people that we know who maybe are, you know, they're struggling, they're, they've had a lot of debt or something like that. And even if there's solutions presented to them, maybe there's just still focus on that debt. So it's like, there's more debt, there's more debt. And there's, even if people in their lives are saying, Hey, we have a solution for you. They're not ready yet to really accept that. Or there's the person who kind of in, is in a place in life where they're just thinking about themselves. They're afraid they haven't experienced abundance yet. So how can they see it? And so I kind of joke sometimes about that when I say, you know, that person you loaned money to who never paid you back, but they have brand new pair of shoes. Like <laughs> we've all been there, right? Like we've all been in that position, but that's, that's a mindset of there's just enough for me and, and really not anyone else. Then there's that courageous person who cares about their family deeply. And so even if they're in the worst position or they've had the worst setback, somehow because their mindset is so focused on caring for their family, an angel will appear and help them out or a solution will come and their problems will start to kind of solve. And then there's the person who genuinely cares about the community and you see, they're like, oh my gosh, this person, maybe they lost their job or some hardship fell on them. And immediately there's like five job offers because they've cared so much for their community that now their community is giving back to them. And then there's the people like, you know, Warren Buffett or whatever, who, who cares so much about that child in a third world country who's not getting education or getting you know, clean water. I mean, they think globally, they care so deeply globally that I always think, my gosh, I mean, he gave away 99% of his wealth. He still lives in the same house that he bought for $28,000, but yet he was, you know, the richest person, the wealthiest person in the world in 2007. And he pledged 99% of his wealth to charity. And I, you know, you question like him and his wife were so caring from the beginning before they had money to care about others that, you know, it's almost like they were blessed to become billionaires because they had to have that much to give that much to the people they care about. So it doesn't mean that if you're in, and it has nothing to do with money, because if you're in a position where you are in complete poverty, it's like the mindset piece is there. So like the Maricela, you know, her story, I always go back to her because in her most vulnerable and scary and just tumultuous experience, her mindset was so abundant. She was like, well, no, I'm here because I, I know I have something to give to the world. It doesn't matter that I have nothing right now because I know that I, that I, I have nothing, you know, on the surface right now, because I know I have something of so much value internally. And so that, that mindset is something we all have. We all have abundance in our hearts no matter who we are, no matter what our background is, it's just tapping into that and finding that gift and really being able to hone it. Um, I think it's, it's something that is easily learned because it's something that truly is within us. Gratitude is huge. Um, just remembering like, and this is something that one of our ladies who was in, you know, she was also in the homeless. Um, she was in a shelter at the time. And one of the things that she shared with us when we were kind of helping her go through her goals, which she goes, well, I have to remember that the majority of the world lives on $2 a day. They're in, you know, a country where they don't have access to all the resources I have access to. So she goes, I really did like win the lottery being born in the U S. So I feel like I can do this. And so I just, when she was in a position that was so scary and so just overwhelming when we started to do these exercises, she was able to come at that perspective. And now she has her dream job. She is living in a safe place with her kids. Um, she is, she wants to do a testimonial with us, you know, and she, so 
she had, we had met her, her, actually I'm allowed to share her story. So I'll just share her name. Her name's Alyssa. So we had met her in the first step program. And then she, you know, decided to come also to our community program. And so she's done living well twice. Well, her second time. So when she came to the community, she pulled out her workbook and she went back to her old workbook and went to those goals that she had set for herself, which is get out of debt, clean up my credit, get, you know, a safe place for my kids and I to live, have a dream job, which that was one of the things she did not have um, at the time. But she most recently, you know, sent me a message this year that she did achieve that goal. But she said it really did start with, you know, we set the goals, we did all the exercises, but she goes, it really came from that knowledge and learning about abundance and being grateful for what I do have, being grateful that I was able to have a place to live and be able to have these resources for my kids, even in the hardest times. So it's a challenging thing to do, but when you do it, it really is, I think it is that launching pad to help you, you know, gain that, that mental strength that you'll need to get to those next levels. Even Cause if, if help is offered, but you're in a mind space of feeling scarcity, it's hard to even see the help. It's hard to even see the mentor or the opportunity that may even be in front of you. So that's, let's see. Now, can you just tell us how do we take the class, be part of this project? We currently are launching with, as I mentioned on Monday, with the Family Justice Center of San Joaquin. So if you or anyone you know, is in a position where they're in an, you know, an unhealthy relationship, they've just left an unhealthy relationship and they want to receive the living well program that's geared more towards that experience. That is a complimentary program. So if you, for that, it's all through the San Joaquin family justice center. So if you go to our social, like the women's education and leadership league, Facebook page, we have information on there on how to sign up. Um, or you can even go to like our Instagram women or it's the, it's sorry, it's well, the number four women with an E. We also have a website. I don't think we've posted it on there yet, but we should be posting it shortly. So that's www.wellthenumber4women.org. Now, if you're wanting to be a part of the Living Well program and you're not in that position, we do have a community one that we're going to roll out at the beginning of next year. So keep in touch with us through our social media and our website because we will be posting that um, short, you know, within the next couple weeks. Um, and then if you want to sponsor, because it's, you know, there's, we're all volunteer, we're small um, organization. So if it's, if you want to sponsor someone like Maricela or Alyssa, who I shared their stories with where they're struggling and they, you know, couldn't afford to pay for their own um, ability to be a part of the program, you, there's a link on our website and on our social media sites where you can do that as well. Um, and so that's an opportunity also. Um, and then if you have an organization where you have women and you want to provide a wellness program to them in the same way that, uh, you know, the San Jose County Office of Education has done, um, that's an opportunity also. So if there's, you know, wellness piece to your, what you do for your employees, we have a wellness program. So we have scholarship, which is different than our sponsorship. So scholarship is, um, we do periodically and that's, we invest in a woman who is in like enrolled in school. Um, and so we don't have our next scholarship award up yet, but follow us online for that. Um, but as far as getting sponsored for the living well program, if you're in a position where you can't pay, we do have sponsors available. So, you know, please reach out and, and let us know. And we can um, definitely, you know, we have, I, I can't promise everyone just because we have limited sponsors, but we do have sponsorships available. And so how would, how would you like people to, to ask? Yeah, you could email us. Um, so you can email us at what I'll give you our general email address. It's well, 
the number four women at well, the number four women.org, or you can email me directly. It's Elena. So A L A N A underscore Scott S C O T T at well, W E L L the number four women with an E.org. Sounds like we don't need to be shy if we have any questions. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've just yeah. fired a bunch of them at you, so so people can uh, people can ask what they want to know through social media or to the email address. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks again for talking with us, Elena. It's just been it's just been a great morning talking with you. Um, well, thank you. It's been amazing. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Women of the Valley on KCBP Community Radio at 95.5 FM and streaming online at kcbpradio.org. This has been Leah Hassett and Linda Scheller. Be sure to catch us next time on Women of the Valley. Thanks for listening. Our music is Tin Can Trap by Chad Crouch.